just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Friday. So here in Minnesota, we've just gone through what a lot of people figured to be Snowmageddon, meaning this was going to be the granddaddy of all snowstorms. Now, I will tell you, we got a lot of snow, but they were talking like 20, 24 inches. When it was all said and done here, we got about 12 to 13 inches. Now, that's a respectable amount, but that's not unusual in this part of the country. And that was over a period of two days. Again, it caused its troubles. It makes things difficult. I have yet to dig my car out because I didn't go anywhere yesterday. Why would I if I don't have to? Now, my wife did go into work. That kind of angered me a little bit. There was no reason for her to get in her car and drive 30 miles to go to work. It's a part-time job. She doesn't need the job. It was a little sketchy out. I would have preferred that she didn't go out in this mess. But, of course, like me, you can't tell my wife shit. So I said, you get in your car, you have any troubles, turn around, come back, call me. And as soon as you get there, you call me. And thankfully she did, and she got there safely, and all was good. I worry about my kids, too. Now, I know my son and daughter-in-law can work from home. so, And, and even if they do go into work, they're only about a mile away from where they work. Now, my son, my youngest son, had to go about 20 miles, but he has one advantage. He works for a hotel, and he doesn't like driving in the snow. Don't blame him. He gets a little anxious about that. So what he's able to do on these snow days, he gets to work, and then they uh, give him a room he can stay in until the next day, so he's already there at work. So we got through it. I mean, the important thing is, is that every time we see a snowstorm or some kind of winter or any kind of weather situation coming through our state and anywhere throughout the country, um, a lot of times it's not as bad as they make it out to be. It's kind of like what we see with uh, the media with regards to news and politics. They always give you the worst case scenario, so you get scared and you pay attention. And of course, with weather, you can't nail it down scientifically. You can get a pretty good idea, but you can't guarantee what's going to happen. And on this one, um, it was definitely a snowstorm, but not a snowstorm we haven't seen before. Everybody got through it. We're in the part of the country where there's a lot of snow plows and uh, salt trucks. Roads are open now. Everything is cool. So everybody that went to the grocery store and piled up because they thought we'd be buried for days, well, now they've got extra food. So we're all good. Now to start this show off, we have one email, and this comes from Deb. She's written many times, and she references the snowstorm because she's probably getting her share as well. She says, hey, Mike, I hope the snow passed you by and you weren't inundated. And now I wasn't inundated. I didn't have to go anywhere, so I just hung out here, did some TikToks, did a podcast, and chilled, if you will. No pun intended. I remember the storms we used to get when I lived in Michigan. The blizzards were epic. The one in 1978 stands out the most. 78, big year for me. That's the year I graduated from high school. She says, with snowdrifts up to the roofs and overpasses, I grew up in Michigan and didn't move to Delaware till I was 18. These people here are insane when they hear snow is coming. They clear out the bread, milk, and toilet paper, etc., even though the longest they'd be stuck at home is one day. The worst blizzard I saw here wasn't anything compared to Michigan, but these people just go nuts. Also, no one here can drive in it at all. They think if their car is four-wheel drive, they're invincible. Then you see them in a ditch a mile up the road, or they drive two miles an hour, causing chaos. I saw enough snow living in Michigan to last the rest of my life, so I'm happy to be retiring here instead of there. 
And, and she makes out an interesting point. It does seem like when I'm thinking about the 60s and 70s, when, when I was a kid living in Minneapolis, it did seem like uh, it was different. Winter was different. It was more more difficult. We did get bigger storms. Now, we may not have got 30 inches of snow every storm, but we got a lot of storms with 10 and 12 inches, kind of like the one we got here. It wasn't just one a season. There was several. And the cold, while we do get some sub-zero temperatures here, in those days, you would get like two weeks, three weeks at a time of sub-zero temperatures, and it was fucking impossible to deal with. And I'm sure Michigan was much the same. Everything that comes through Minnesota ultimately goes through Michigan. So you're probably very familiar with what I've talked about, what I'm talking about here. Now, with this climate change, it does seem like Minnesota winters and probably Michigan winters are a little easier. They still suck. Don't make a mistake about that. They still suck. A lot of snow, a lot of cold, but they aren't as bad as they used to be. And I don't think it's just me remembering things being worse than they were. Because I remember the fucking snow. I remember driving 70s era cars in the snow. And I'll tell you this, cars from the 70s were shittier cars than we have now. 100,000 miles, they're fucking done. You throw them away. But more than that, they were the worst cars to drive in the winter. And the reason for that is, in the 1970s, they hadn't come up with front-wheel drive as yet. They were all rear-wheel drive, and those are the worst things to drive in the winter. You're always getting stuck. You're always spinning the tires. So things are better now. They're not quite as severe winters as we got back then, and at least our cars drive a little bit better. So Deb says, I wanted to share a few things with you that made me smile. Your grandpa poopy butt story cracked me up. Your granddaughter sounds precious. Well, she is. Ironically, our first grandson calls my husband. Uh, I'll see if I can pronounce this because I don't. Uh, I think it, I think she pronounces it G-G or Zai Zai or I don't know. Polish for grandpa. Okay, she says pronounce ja ja or ya ya, which means poopy head. <laughs> we all had daughters, so when we when he got his grandson, this poopy head thing began, and it's still going on with our grandson being eleven now. He wins my husband's stuffed poopy at the fairs. I, I think she's talking about the you know, the emojis, they turn into stuffies and they're the poop emoji. And my hubby buys him poopy hats. This is just another funny thing we have in common. Also in common, the love for the word fuck. Yeah, I have to give you that. Uh, Of everyone in my family, from my father to my mother, uh, to my sisters, to my brother, Fuck is a pretty prominent word in our vocabularies. Now, I will say this about my mom. She fought like hell to try to get us all to stop saying fuck. All the time we were growing up, all the time she was 40s and and 50s. But then when she hit her 60s, she hit another stride and she started using the F word. And I didn't know how to take that. I have no qualms with the word fuck, but mom never did it before. Now, all of a sudden, she is. Well... It was fine. Apparently, she got it from us as opposed to us getting it from her. There is no other word that is so versatile, whether you use it as a noun, verb, adjective, etc. It is the best. You know what? You know what I like about the word fuck best of all? For some people, it is absolute taboo to hear somebody say the F word. People just freak out. Not as much as they used to, but back in the day, I remember I I was with this program and I would do um, lawns, you know, they, they, people who need lawn service, mowing the lawns, cutting bushes or whatever, they'd send it into the program. I worked there in the summer and they'd send us out someplace to do the lawn work for somebody. I went to this old man's house right in my neighborhood. I didn't know him, but he was very close to my house. And this guy said the word fuck every other word. And it really threw me a loop. Because while I was saying it all the time, you know, I was 13, 14. (laughs) But he was saying it all the time and he had to be in his 70s. 
And at first I was taken aback, and then I started liking this motherfucker because he was hilarious. She says, when I listen to you, obviously we have political views in common, but each day I learn something else. We both have our retirement homes taken care of, yours in Georgia and ours at the beach. Just so you know, it's nothing like Biden's beach house. He has a freaking mansion. Ours is small two-bedroom for hubby and me to spend our golden years enjoying. And uh, you might remember she wrote before that um, they were talking about searching Biden's beach home. And uh, she said she had one in that same area. And I was thinking, Jesus Christ, what kind of house do you live in? Well, apparently it's not as big as Biden's, but uh, it's still on the beach. It's still got to be nice. And uh, congratulations, Deb. It's nice to have some place to go to and just fucking relax. Deb says, I love listening to you every day, and I still especially love Monday since I get to listen to you at least three of your podcasts. I don't have time on the weekends with the grandkids. Keep doing what you're doing, and maybe the next time you're in Georgia, if MTG is there, you could find a way to feed her to some gators. I'd alibi you, LOL. Keep up the awesome entertainment and calming influence, Deb. Thank you, Deb. And, you know, i got to be perfectly honest. When I do this podcast, and uh, I, always, I always look at it and I go, you know, you're really not doing that much. You're not doing that fucking much. But still, people want to listen to it. And that was always my strategy and experiment. I don't want to do anything fancy. I'm going to see if some old guy can sit behind a microphone or in front of a camera and just speak his mind and see if it resonates with some people. And fortunately, it has. It's really funny. Um, my wife has a tendency to be uh, driving in the morning, or even if she's not driving in the morning, there is a morning show in uh, in the Twin Cities. It's a radio station, K-Fan, and they, the show's called The Power Trip or whatever. And she loves this fucking show. She listens to it every day. She quotes me things from the show, and uh, and she tells me jokes and stories, and she'll take recommendations from them. She won't take a recommendation from me to save save her soul, but she will from these guys. And, you know, she'll listen to the podcast when we're in a car together, and she'll be laughing her head off, and she'll look at me. Don't you think that's funny? I go, yeah, it's kind of funny, but it's, you know, it's a good show, and these guys are funny. But for me, I've been working in radio all my life. This is all standard morning show zoo shit. It's, it doesn't really appeal to me anymore. I'll listen to it for her sake, and it's better than listening to nothing. But she is really wrapped up in this show, and she listens to it all the time. You know, I'm getting a little ego in my mind. <laughs> I say, you know what's funny, honey? As much as you like to listen to this show every day, there are people that want to listen to me every day. And she looked at me like, are you fucking kidding me? I go, no, seriously. I said, I can't explain it either, but there are people that want to listen to this every day. That's why I do show every night. And she looks at me. She goes, so do you think you're as good as these guys? And, and, <laughs> and she knows my personality. And I go, yeah, I do. And she looks at me like, you're crazy. They're on the radio. And I go, but I'm on a podcast. And I was on the radio for a long time. There are people that have the ability to be on the radio, and there are people that don't. I could do that. No, you couldn't. Yeah, yeah, I could. Then why don't you do it? Because I don't want to work for somebody else. I don't need to work for somebody else. So my point is, I appreciate the fact that there are people out there that do listen every day, like Deb and many others. I can't explain it. I'm not sure why you do, but I am gr glad that you do. And I'm glad I only have to do what I feel like doing. I don't have to create some massive, overly produced um, show with sound effects and all that shit. I don't want to do that. That requires work. Let's just talk. So, Deb, I appreciate you listening every day. It gives me a reason to sit down in front of the mic every, every early morning, like midnight, one o'clock, and do this. And somebody said to me, you go, you do a podcast every day? I go, yep, I do it every day. How do you do that? I go, well, it's an hour. 
when I was working in radio, I was on the air four, five, sometimes six hours a day. So one hour ain't no big fucking deal. Oh, it just seems like a lot. I go, it would. But, you know, if I was if I was uh, a wood carver, I'd probably put an hour a day into wood carving. So same fucking deal. People don't get it. <clears throat> I don't care. I just do what I want to do. And if other people appreciate it, fucking win for me. All right, now we were talking about the winter storm, and we'll get to real news here in a minute. Uh, but this storm really did take its toll. As much as it wasn't as big a deal as we expected in Minnesota, it did take its toll. Ice took down trees and power lines overnight in Michigan, note to Deb, leaving more than 817,000 customers without power. Combined outages due to ice, high winds, and heavy snow across the country uh, total close to 1 million as of Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, what you have to understand is it was cold, too. The winds were high. And if you don't have power, well, you don't have heat. And that is fucked up. That is probably one of my greatest fears. When I had my own home and I didn't live in a condo like this, I always worried about the furnace, you know, even when we built a house, we had a relatively new furnace. I, I, for whatever reason, it freaked me out to have a house in Minnesota in like December or January when it's cold and the furnace go to shit or there's a problem. And I don't know why. It always freaked me out. I was always testing the furnace. I'm not OCD about anything, but that I was kind of freaked out about. Um, and then one time, it got to be late October, early November, and my furnace stopped working. And um, by this time, I'd lived in the house for 25 years. It was the original furnace, so it wasn't surprising that it died. So I have somebody come in to look at it, and they say, can't fix it. Here's a red tag. I go, what, what, what the fuck does that mean? means you got to get rid of it and get a new furnace. Well, great. Uh, how much is that? And they said it was like about three grand, which wasn't that much for a furnace, actually. I said, well, I don't really have three grand. I said, well, you can finance it through such and such. Or so. I go, I don't want to do that either. He said, well, then you could just freeze this winter. And, you know, I got a family. I got kids. I'm not going to do that. So I had to go buy um, a new furnace, wait about a week as it's being put in. And it just, it just piss me off to no end. So then we bring in a bunch of electric heaters while that process is going, and it heats it up well enough to get by. But then, of course, they get an electric bill that's fucking crazy. It's just, it's something about that, that furnace thing really bothers me. But now in my condo here in the condo in Georgia, <clears throat> there's a main furnace. Here in Minnesota, it's a boiler. And it's kind of a water heat, so I don't even have to worry for about it. I don't even have to pay for the heat, so fuck, I'll just crank it up because I like it warm. I don't like being in houses that are cold. Anyhow, a lot of outages, and I feel for those people. Um, as I said, um, Twin Cities, they had about 13 inches. Some spots in like the southern metro got as many as 15 to 16 inches in the northeast, heavy snow is probably falling today because whatever was here is there now in the higher elevations with lighter precipitation in the valleys and southern New England. And the thing they talked about with Michigan, the ice, I would rather get piles of snow than ice because that is fucked up. And you're absolutely right about people with four-wheel drives. I see it here all the time. You get icy conditions and people think that they have four-wheel drive and they can go through anything and they will not have any problems. Well, you might be able to get through thicker snow because you have four-wheel drive, but when it comes to ice, all that really means is you have four wheels now spinning as opposed to one or two. You're not safe in a four-wheel drive with icy or slippery conditions, so mellow the fuck out. I can't tell you as a traffic reporter how many four-wheel drives I saw in the ditch. And these people are going, what the fuck? I got a four-wheel drive. Yeah, well, it's not that big a deal with ice. <clears throat> so anyways, let's get to some of the news stories. 
And if you were watching the news yesterday, the biggest news story had nothing to do about politics, um, but it had to do with the Alex Murdoch trial down in South Carolina. Now, there's two reasons why this trial kind of interests me. When I'm in Georgia, we will go to uh, um, Hilton Head, or maybe we'll go to Charleston just for a day trip or something like that. And all of this is going on in that area. The bigger reason why we're interested in this is because over and above the morning show for this radio station that my wife listens to, she listens and watches these murder shows all the time. And I know she's not the only one. A lot of people like Dateline, 2020, all these shows. And I've heard them all because I'm listening to them or watching them with my wife. And I always think of this. I go, Jesus Christ, you know, for as much as she watches this stuff and she sees all the mistakes, because whenever you watch them, you think, God, how stupid are these people? They, they, they can't help but get caught. But I'm wondering if my wife isn't trying to come up with a way for that perfect crime, that perfect murder. So I always try to keep with one, keep sleeping with one eye open. Not that she would, but, you know, when you get all those skills and you learn all this stuff, maybe sometime you want to put it into practice. Anyway, this Alex Murdoch, very wealthy guy. Uh, very successful guy, presumably, he was a lawyer, testified in his double murder trial Thursday admitting he lied to investigators when he said he was not at the scene of his wife and son's killings before they were fatally shot in June of 2021. Now, everything you hear about this Alex Murdoch, he sounds like a piece of shit. He was a wealthy guy in a kind of a smaller town. He had a lot of power got away with a lot of stuff, over and above being alleged to have killed his son and wife. Um, he stole the whole shitload of money from his clients. I mean, millions and millions of dollars. This guy's not a good guy. And to sit there and watch him testify, I, I will have to say this, because he's a lawyer and it's unusual for a defendant to testify in a trial like this. I think they chose to do it because he is a lawyer, and he understands the potential pitfalls of testifying in your own behalf. He did a decent job of coming off, you know, sympath people would be sympathetic with him, but uh, everything he did <laughs> was talking about all the bad shit that he did, from stealing from people to lying to people. Uh, and what really got me, <laughs> this is weird, when I was watching the testimony, this guy was visibly shaken up. He was crying at different points during his testimony. Here's a guy probably my age. He's got a, he's got a hanky and he's crying and he's red. And at least a couple of times I saw something. I might have been eating lunch at the time. And when I was watching it, I noticed there was this significant thick drip of liquid coming out of his nose and his mouth. He looked like um, a St. Bernard I had when I was a kid. This St. Bernard, her name was Patty, and she really watched over the kids very closely. She kept us in line. Uh, but we knew there was one thing that bothered my mom because if, if we did this, this dog would slobber and drool and, and, and she couldn't stomach it. And that would be giving this dog an open-faced peanut butter sandwich. She loved the fuck out of it. But, man, it was a fucking mess. And my mom hated it. Um, yeah, we tormented my mom from time to time. That's the kind of kids we were. Loved our mom. But my family, we fuck with each other. And even at four and five, six years old, we were fucking with mom. But that's what I saw when Alex was testifying. I'm going, God damn it, I can't watch this. I mean, it's intriguing. It's like a train wreck. But at the same time, pull it together, motherfucker. Now, within moments of taking the stand, Murdaugh acknowledged his voice is heard in a video that appeared to be filmed at the dog kennels where the bodies of Margaret Maggie Murdaugh and Paul Murdaugh were found, saying he lied 
about being at the kennels earlier that evening because of paranoid thinking stemming from his drug addiction. See, that's the other thing. He was hooked on drugs. And I don't know if that's he's using that for people to be sympathetic with him. Yeah, I did some dumb stuff, but I, I'm on drugs. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. You stole a lot of money from a lot of people, innocent people that needed the money. You already made millions of dollars, and apparently that wasn't enough, so you had to steal some more. Now, when you're in a murder trial like this, all you have to do is uh, offer up some reasonable doubt that somebody's done it, and that will get them off. Fact is, they only have to get one juror to say, I think he's innocent, then they get a hung jury. But there is another aspect to these murders that I think you have to consider um, that I didn't know about until I watched this. As much as this Alex Murdaugh, he was fairly well respected in the area because he was successful, not necessarily because he was a good guy, but I guess most people thought he was. But his son, Paul Murdaugh, his youngest son, This guy was a douchebag and had a real drinking problem. Every time you saw a video of him, he was hammered. And on one particular video, they were going out on the family boat. He was hammered. They were saying, don't drive, don't drive. And he drove anyway because he's a cool motherfucker when he's drinking. And there was a boat accident. And one of the girls on the boat flew out of the boat and was killed. Well, after that happened, obviously Paul became kind of a pariah in his own right amongst the the area. You know, this girl was a friend of his, a friend of all his friends, you know, well-known in the community, and now she's dead because Paul Murdaugh, this douchebag kid, gets drunk and drives a boat. So apparently there was a a lot of attacks on him on social media. So if you want a reasonable doubt... You could say, well, Paul Murdaugh was pretty well hated by a lot of people. Presumably, somebody wanted to kill him. So maybe somebody did come on the property, shoot Paul Murdaugh. Mom was there, so they figured he'd kill the witness too and take him out. Now, I don't know if that's what happens, but that's something to throw in the story that could give some reasonable doubt. So we'll see. Now, the video has become a cornerstone of the state's case, and prosecutors have used it to put Murdaugh at the scene minutes before they say Maggie, 52, and Paul, 22, were killed, contradicting his repeated statement to law enforcement that he had not been there that night. Over the course of the trial, numerous witnesses have identified Murdaugh's voice in the background of the footage recorded by Paul at 8.44 p.m. on June 7, 2021. Now, Mr. Murdaugh, is that you on the kennel video at 8.44 p.m.? Defense attorney Jim Griffin asked. The night Maggie and Paul were murdered. And Murdaugh now says, yes, it is my voice, conceding he lied to investigators from the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division at least three separate interviews. He said, I didn't lie to them, blaming his addiction to opiate painkillers. I wasn't thinking clearly, he added. I don't think I was capable of reason, and I lied about being down there, and I'm sorry that I did that. Again, see, he's a lawyer. See, he knows how to answer these things. To me, that's, that's not an excuse. The fact that you're on drugs is not a fucking excuse. I mean, if you're driving a car while drunk and you hit and kill somebody, being drunk isn't a defense. It may be something used against you because you shouldn't be driving drunk. And Alex Murdaugh shouldn't be taking pills by the handful. Still, Murdaugh was empathetic in his denial that he shot and killed his wife and son, insisting in response to Griffin's questions, I didn't shoot my wife or my son any time ever. Now, this is interesting. What what I think some of the prosecution is trying to say, uh, Murdaugh was in all kinds of financial problems, even though he was making a lot of money as a lawyer, biggest law firm in the area. His name is on the masthead. <clears throat> He's also stealing money by the millions from his clients, but still, 
he has money problems. Apparently those pills are fucking expensive. So he's trying to use that as an excuse as to why he wasn't thinking correctly. But the prosecution is trying to say, listen, man, you got all this shit coming down on you. You might get disbarred. You probably will get disbarred. If your wife and son die, then all of a sudden you become a sympathetic person. People will give you sympathy and maybe you'll get off on the other shit. Now, that sounds kind of crazy, but if you got a pill head who's not thinking rationally, who has all kinds of money problems, sometimes they make bad choices. It's going to be interesting to see how this turns out. Because common sense would suggest that he did it, because he lied. But there is the possibility of some other reason that this happened. And then, you know, that's usually the, usually the case is uh, the spouse kills the, the other spouse, and, and in this case, his child, and, and uh, there's no other reason. There's no break, breaking and entering. Nobody got in the house, but uh, the spouse says, I don't know anything about it, and it seems easy to prove. But that one extra part of the story is going to make it even more uh, difficult for the prosecutors. You know, again, we're talking about a small area, small town area. We've got a family that's been very prominent for decades since his grandfather or great-grandfather. So he's got a lot of friends there. And that's all it takes when you need a, when you have a friend or two or somebody who looks up to you on the jury, that can fuck things up and we can get a hung jury. Now, of all the things we talk about, how there is a different level of, of uh, law enforcement to people who are wealthy, um, who are in a position of power or even famous, they have a different different bar as far as their legalities. We'll see if that plays out in this particular case. I don't know how it's going to turn out. <laughs> and frankly, today they're going to have more testimony with Alex Murdaugh, and I don't know if I can take him dripping spit and snot on himself for another four hours. But we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I will tell you that I'm going to do a show with Ed tomorrow, too. So the next show you hear will be with Ed. And I'm sure he'll have some insights with that as well. All right, we will take a quick break and we will be right back. We are now starting to see a lot of people coming out of the woodwork, people that want to run for president in 2024, people that will presumably be in the Republican primary leading up to the 2024 presidential election. Now, Donald Trump's rivals and would-be contenders in the race for that presidential nomination, they're road testing all sorts of jabs against the former president who leads in early polls of what is expected to be a crowded and raucous primary, which is good news for um, the Democrats. Real good news for Donald Trump. The more people in the primary, the better chance he has to win because his base will always follow him and the rest of the people will split their votes amongst all the other fucks that are running. But keep in mind what I've always said. Donald Trump will not be a candidate for the presidency in 2024. We don't know how this is all going to shake out. There's going to be a lot of people running for the presidency in the Republican Party. They're all arrogant self-centered fucking pieces of shit. So it's going to be really a race to the bottom because no matter who wins the nomination for the Republicans in 2024, they're going to lose. They don't have a fucking prayer against the Democrats. And something that's interesting, I, I said they're road testing all sorts of jabs against the former president. Well, we've come a long way because many people wouldn't say anything about Donald Trump, no matter how stupid, no matter how criminal, anything he did. But now they're trying to figure out ways to take him down. But there's one thing they don't mention, interestingly enough. And that was Trump's effort to topple democracy and overturn the 2020 presidential election. That was the hot button for so long the last two years. Every Republican said, oh, it was a fake election. It was a rigged election, election fraud, election fraud. But now they don't want to talk about it. And you know why? 
because it's a fucking loser. Take 2022, the midterms, for example. All those people that claim that shit, they didn't win their races, and the Republican Party didn't do well in the midterms. So now they're finally realizing, you know, we need to step away from that. Little late, by my estimation. Like I've said before, if you stand by Donald Trump, you will be hard-pressed to get the stink off of you. What's that old phrase? You lie with dogs, you get fleas. <laughs> you lie with Donald Trump, you get spit on, and you get grease from the McDonald's French fries. That's what you fucking get. So now they don't want to talk about the insurrection. Even though they've spent the last two years repeating whatever Donald Trump said. Now, establishment GOP figures are confidently predicting that Trump will fail to secure the nomination this time. But they're doing little to make that a reality. Likely entrance into the race and uh, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, the only major Republican to announce a run so far, are playing it safe with veiled digs about Trump's age while others are avoiding to mention him at all. They're worried about seeing a, another 2016. But the fact of the matter is that's not going to be an issue. I think a lot of people who are maybe going to announce that they're going to run for president are waiting to see what happens with Donald Trump in Georgia, the DOJ, and New York. Once those indictments hit and Donald Trump is at best wounded, then they'll come out and they'll really start screaming and talking shit about Donald Trump. They've been afraid to do it, but once he's taken that hit, that indictment or multiple indictments, then they'll start yapping like we know Republicans have the ability to do. So the dynamic is going to change if indictments against Trump and his allies are announced by the grand jury in Georgia and, of course, the DOJ, the special counsel. Trump is most effective when he has someone to fight. We know that. Now, he's trying to start fights with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And uh, he really wants to start something with DeSantis, but DeSantis hasn't stepped up as yet. Hell, DeSantis hasn't even said he's running for president. And he's another guy, like I said before, I don't think he'll be running when 2024 comes along. By not taking the bait, the announced and potential GOP candidates are denying Trump oxygen. And that's what they have to realize. The reason why Donald Trump did so well in 2016 is because he's like, he's like a fire. Without oxygen, he would just whimper away and never have done anything. But Trump got a lot of oxygen from Democrats and other Republicans when he started because that's Donald Trump's playing field. Let's get into a fight. Let's insult people. He's good at it, or at least he's louder than anybody else. And that worked for him in 2016. Doug Hay, a former Republican National Committee Communications Director, told Huffington Post, Needlessly poking the bear this early in the primary could be one reason Trump rivals are loath to broach the subject. Another fear is of antagonizing the conspiracy-fueled Tucker Carlson wing of the GOP, which doesn't believe the January 6th riot was all that bad and is more interested in blaming the U.S. Capitol Police officers over the incident. And that, you know, that's really the way it's going. Um, the Republicans, as I've said, everybody's worried Donald Trump is going to be the candidate. The Republicans don't want him in there. They know he's a loser. They know he is a red herring. They know he's going to cause nothing but problems. He was in four years and he's virtually destroyed the Republican Party. Regardless of what they say to the press, they fucking know this. They know this and they had enough, fucking had enough. So there's no way Donald Trump is going to be the candidate. These people will give him some room to do the things he does. Hopefully they're smart about it and don't engage with him because that will just give Donald Trump power. 
And that's the same for the Democrats. I think they should just step back and let the Republicans do what they're going to do. Let them kill themselves. There's no reason for any Democrat, Biden on down, to argue with Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a private citizen. He's of no consequence. He has no power. Even though he likes to act like he does, he has zero power. And one of the reasons he doesn't have a lot of power is because he's getting hit at every angle with lawsuits. He's got the E. Jean Carroll lawsuit. He tries to get it dismissed. He tries to not provide his DNA. And every turn, he, he loses court cases. I can't remember the last time Donald Trump won any court case or any motion that he put out there. And now he's got another one. He's got another lawsuit that he was trying to delay or get dismissed or try to not be involved in. Remember when he said that with the DOJ? Well, I'm not going to participate with this investigation. Well, motherfucker, the investigation is on you, and you have no choice. Whether you say something or you don't, you're involved. A federal judge said Thursday that former President Donald Trump can be deposed as part of a pair of lawsuits filed by two ex-FBI employees. Now, U.S. District Judge Amy Berman Jackson said lawyers for the pair, a former FBI agent Peter Strzok and former FBI lawyer Lisa Page. Remember these, these goofballs? Uh, they were in the FBI. They had a little affair going on. They were exposed for that, and Donald Trump didn't like them because... I don't know, they were close to Comey or whatever. He saw them as a threat, so he called them out, sucked up all the oxygen in the room, and uh, they ended up either leaving or being fired. I can't recall, but they are gone. But apparently, the lawyers for these two can now ask Trump questions about limited topics set for for a set amount of time. Strzok and Page were subject to years of public criticism by the former president. And, you know, that's what Donald Trump does. He ruins people's reputations. Remember those election workers down in, down in Georgia? Poor women were just trying to help out, do their part, do their civic duty. And he villainized these women for no reason. They weren't doing anything but doing their job and trying to help out. They weren't even being paid for this. And the same thing with this struck and page situation. He turned them into villains. Now, whether they are or not, I don't know, but they probably didn't deserve what Donald Trump did, or at least to that extent. What happened was there were messages between the two. Uh, they were released in which disparaged Trump and said they were worried he'd win the presidency. Now, Strzok was fired from the FBI amid a political firestorm, and Page resigned soon after. Both claimed they were targeted for political retribution. Strzok is suing to be reinstated and for back pay, and Page has sued, saying the release of the text violated her privacy laws. Now, whether or not, I don't know. But when they were talking in the text, they were worried about the prospect of Donald Trump being elected president. I think Strzok said, uh, don't worry about it. We won't let that happen. Well, Strzok was wrong. Their worst fears were realized, and they were fucking right. The court authorized the plaintiffs to conduct depositions of each witness that do not exceed two hours and are limited to the narrow set of topics specified. Jackson ruled Thursday after a closed-door hearing at the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia. Now, granted, it's limited topics and it's two hours. How do you think Donald Trump's going to do under oath for two hours? He'll probably try to plead the fifth or whatever. And I, I, I don't, that's not a good thing to do in a civil court. In a criminal case, if you plead the fifth, it can't be held against you. But in a civil case, it can be held against you. And the jury can presume because you pled the fifth that you're guilty. So I don't know that that even works for Donald Trump. But, of course, Donald Trump doesn't, doesn't think. He just reacts. It's all emotions. So he'll probably do that. But it will work against him. 
what Donald Trump should do in these situations is to plead his case, show some evidence that he's right. But that's going to be hard for Donald Trump to do, given the fact that he probably has no evidence other than those texts. And if they prove those texts were illegally exposed, then he has no fucking case. The order also applies to current FBI Director Christopher Wray. It's unclear if the depositions will move forward as Berman's order allows the White House a month to determine if the Justice Department will invoke the executive privilege over Trump's testimony. But that means Joe Biden's White House has to decide that. And I can't imagine why Joe Biden would do that. Politico reported the judge also left a room for Trump to argue that he has the right to invoke privilege uh, himself as a former president. Now, the ruling comes after attorneys for Strzok and Page said they'd interviewed a host of lower-ranking officials and sources related to the lawsuit. The Washington Post notes the newspaper also reported that a recent interview Trump gave to conservative radio host Hugh Hewitt, in which he bragged about firing the pair and other officials, may have influenced the judge's decisions. If I didn't fire Comey and if I didn't fire McCabe and Strzok and Page and all of that scum that was in there, you would have had, they were trying to do an overthrow. This guy can't even complete a sentence, the former president said on Hugh Hewitt's show. The FBI and Justice Department have maintained that Strzok's firing was not political. Bullshit. It was absolutely political. And this is just another thing Donald Trump has to fucking worry about and has to deal with. When people tell me nothing's happened to Donald Trump, I said this to a few people. If you're 76 years old, maybe not in your right mind, maybe not in the best health, with all these investigations, all these depositions, all these lawsuits, all these potential indictments, that's hanging over your head. That's got to take its toll on an elderly man in his position. Now, given that he's a narcissist, maybe he can block it out. I'm not sure of that. But Donald Trump is going through some things, as he has once said. Let's talk about Representative George Santos. This fucking clown is being accused of yet another lie this time by a lawmaker in his district who is trying to get the truth-challenged congressman to resign. This is somebody from his own state, want this fucker to resign. I would say everybody in his state wants him to resign. He's from New York, Queens. On Thursday, Santos tweeted that he wanted to thank Nassau County legislator Josh Laffison for stopping by his office in Douglaston, in the Queens borough of New York City and said it was great to sit down and discuss the concerns that were addressed in a letter he brought in. At first glance, it seems benign, but Lafazan quickly tweeted back to Santos that the scenario he described wasn't what happened. Oh, big surprise. Georgie, <laughs> Georgie was, was lying? Well, here's how the, the tweets went. Let's be very clear. This is coming from Laffison. Let's be very clear. I did not stop by your office. I hosted a protest outside your office, calling on you to resign and then hand-delivered you a letter to stop wasting police resources. Can't say I'm surprised you chose to distort the truth here. You're very good at distorting the truth. Now, Santos' office was asked for um, a response, and of course, nobody responded. I mean, what are they going to say? Once again, proved to be lying. However, Laffison's lying accusation comes just a couple of days after Santos admitted to Piers Morgan that he's been a terrible liar, claiming his fabrications weren't about fooling voters, but were about getting accepted by the party here locally. Not surprisingly, many Twitter users mock Santos for the bogus claim. 
So is that what Santos is saying? I was an outside guy. They wouldn't let me play in the fucking reindeer game, so I had to lie to be like the in crowd. Fuck you, Santos. You're a liar. You're a fraud. You're a fake. And your time is short. (laughs) Now, we've all been hearing about this story about how Kevin McCarthy decides to release surveillance videos from January 6th at the U.S. Capitol, but to only give them, not just to Fox News, but just to Tucker Carlson. A lot of fucked up things about that, and uh, there's been a bit of a backlash. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy previously condemned the January 6th attack and even suggested he would demand former President Donald Trump resign over the issue. But to maintain his power in the GOP, he swiftly reversed the issue to the point where he handed over tens of thousands of hours of security camera footage from the attack on Fox News' primetime host, Tucker Carlson, one of the largest defenders of the Capitol attackers. So right after this horrible event on January 6th, Kevin McCarthy said, this is horrible. I would think Donald Trump should resign over something this like this. This is terrible. And then when he stopped, he looked around. Uh, uh, you, you, you guys don't like this? You're not in agreement with me on this? Okay, yeah. Yeah, it was just tourists. <laughs> what, what, what a wimpy motherfucker. On MSNBC Thursday, former Republican National Committee Chair Michael Steele, I like this guy, a longtime critic of Trump and the current director, uh, current direction of the GOP, laid into McCarthy for his decision, calling him feckless and beholden to a puppet master. Now, Ari Melber, the host of the show, said, you know the politics and the puppetry. This is a fact. Yeah, it's true, said Steele. You laid out such an incredible indictment of the speakership and the gentleman who holds the chair because it really is at its core what it's about. I want power. Give me power. What do I have to do to get it and what do I have to do to keep it? As has been reported, McCarthy's admitted, yeah, 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 I promised Tuckums I would do this and I would give him, give him the footage. So what else has been promised? And that's, that's a big question. Is it just so Tucker will be his friend now? Is there something more to it? Like Tucker Carlson will now be his advocate and help him maintain his job as Speaker of the House. Seems kind of fishy to me. I don't know about you, but it seems fishy to me. Now, um, Steele also said, I find it very Curious. Clearly, these two individuals don't speak to each other, meaning Tucker and McCarthy, because McCarthy on January 6th said, I condemn that. Tucker was just like, these are just tourists. What are you talking about? These are just tourists. So which is it? Were they just tourists or terrorists? And clearly, they were fucking terrorists. Um, Melber said, I'm curious what you think of the politics as we show... Uh, uh, because not everyone may remember that McCarthy actually is trying to move Tucker closer to him, said Melber. He apparently thinks of all the issues in the world. This is the one to win Tucker over. Do you agree with that analysis? And what do you think he thinks of that? Steele said, I agree with that analysis because when you are feckless and ungrounded, just look at the actions of the man, Steele said. Look at how he's whipsawed in 48 hours on January 6th, within two weeks of January 6th, by wanting to appease the puppet master. So now he has a new puppet master he's made a promise to. Here's all the footage you'll need. I think that analysis is spot on. Why? Because he doesn't want Tucker to come after him. There is no reason in the world anybody in media deserves or should have that kind of power. And they wouldn't have that kind of power unless Kevin McCarthy fucking handed it to him or Donald Trump handed it to them. And we know now that all has been exposed about Fox News. Not only have they taken a certain amount of power, but they've misused it because they lie on the air. That's not an opinion. That's been proven. 
Talking about liars and dipshits, let's talk about Mike Lindell. And you won't believe what Mike Lindell is going to do because he has an opinion on what Kevin McCarthy did by handing over all that footage to Tucker Carlson. You would think that Mike Lindell would be all for it. Oh, no. My Pillow CEO and pro-Trump conspira- uh, cons- uh, conspiracy theorist, Mike Lindell, said he will be suing for access to the 41,000 hours of surveillance footage from the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol that was shared exclusively with Fox by Kevin McCarthy. Lindell pledged during an interview with Steve Bannon, (laughs) two bastions of truth on his War Room podcast, that he will prepare to run this all the way to the Supreme Court if necessary. Mike, how's your track record been with running lawsuits and uh, court cases and going to the Supreme Court? As far as I know, you haven't won shit. You said you were going to be the chairman of the RNC. You had it in the bag. It was a sure thing. You didn't win. Mike, I'm getting a little tired of you embarrassing yourself, for Christ's sake. I would think you would be, too. Now, Lindell claimed his self-ran media entity, Lindell TV, should have access to the footage because otherwise we're injured by not having access. We should have access because if we don't have access, we're injured. Oh, that man is an order. And thus equates to discrimination by the speaker. (laughs) See what I mean? These dumb fucks are fighting amongst themselves. A clip of Lindell's appearance on The War Room as aired on Real America's Voice and shared on Twitter by the the account at Patriot Takes, which is affiliated with the left-leaning PAC. Well, we're not going to sit back and let that happen, Lindell told Bannon. Now, Bannon interrupted and asked why he was adding this fight to the many other responsibilities and legal battles on his plate. Well, because, number one, Fox is going to sift through it and only put out what they want. I'm tired of breaking our constitutional rights, Lindell claimed. Mike Lindell hasn't read the Constitution, and even if he read the Constitution, he has no capacity to comprehend it. I don't know why the media is not going after him, Lindell said, referring to McCarthy. It's like a cover-up. Why does just Fox get this? It's not just Fox. It's just Tucker at Fox. So they can cover this up even more? See, he thinks Fox is going to be working for the Democrats. I don't know where he gets that. We have clearly found out that uh, Fox lies for the benefit of Republicans. He goes on to say, it's disgusting, all of us, including War Room. We need to see what's on those tapes, and we need to see all of them. We need to go through them. We're the press, too. No, you're not. No, you're not the press, he said. Then he said, referring to Lindell TV, Lindell even said, this also goes back to my lawsuits with Dominion and others, referring to his attempt to challenge the results of 2020's presidential election. There's a lot of cover-up going on where the two even tie together out there. Oh, the conspiracy of it all. The lawyers, we are going to go after Fox and get it. And the lawyers, yesterday we had a big meeting and they said, no, we're going right after the speaker, right after Congress. Will you do that? I would love for that to happen. Trump going after Trump I'm sure Chuck Schumer's going, we got you right where we want you. I'm tired of the violation of our constitutional rights, Stephen, Lindell said. Several Democrats have also criticized the report release of the footage. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer wrote a letter to colleagues condemning McCarthy, stating the speaker is needlessly exposing the Capitol complex to one of the worst security risks since 9-11. McCarthy defended the decision by stating to The New York Times, well, I promised him. Well, Kevin, you also promised to serve the public, serve the people of your constituency, to uh, stand by the Constitution. doesn't seem like you really, really stick to your guns on that thing. 
Now, Lindale TV, which streams on the Lindale-owned website Frank's Speech, has become the home of other conspiracy theorists such as Emerald Robinson and featured guests such as Laura Logan. And that makes sense because I don't know who the fuck those people are, and I'm sure most people don't. I'd be curious to find out how many viewers that Lindell has on his new media empire. He probably has a fair amount because of the Trump fucks, but none of them are bright enough to actually accomplish anything, so I'm not too worried about it. But Mike Lindell is going to sue Kevin McCarthy. That'll just be one more thing, making it impossible for the Republicans in the House to accomplish anything. Now, you remember during the campaign, the Republicans complained a lot about a lot of things, gas prices, inflation, the border, all this stuff. They've now been in office in power for going on two months now. And what have they accomplished? Well, they've got some investigations that didn't go very far, some hearings that didn't go very far without them being embarrassed. Kevin McCarthy did hand off 41,000 hours of videotape to Tucker Carlson. But how many bills have they passed? How many bills did they pass? Well, I'll tell you. Zero. Nothing. Nada. Fucking goose egg. And how many bills are they going to pass in the next six months? Probably about the same. And even if they do somehow find a way to pass a bill in the House, it'll go nowhere in the Senate and Joe Biden would never fucking sign it. So there's going to be two years of the Republicans absolutely accomplishing nothing. And that's why the Democrats are content with just sitting back and watching the shit show go. There's going to be nothing more helpful to their campaign and, and the election in 2024 than to be able to say to uh, the people voting that, well, Republicans had a chance. They didn't do fucking anything. They promised all this shit, but they didn't do anything. That's why I think the Democrats are, are, are frankly not interested in getting Kevin McCarthy out, out of the speakership. I mean, he's weak as fuck. Let him go. Let him flounder. Let the Republican Party do nothing. Because when it comes down to it, come 2024, well, they, they're going to have nothing to campaign on. And this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. I mean, when you look at the Obama administration, the Trump administration, the first two years of the Biden administration— what have the Republicans accomplished? Well, they got one tax break for the rich for $2 trillion. They gave us crumbs, and then they took it away. That's all they've accomplished in all that time. Everybody wanted an infrastructure type of uh, bill because we were in dire need of it in this country. But when it came down to it, only Democrats voted for it, and no Republican voted for it. So they really can't even take credit for that. They are truly a do-nothing party. They're all about owning the libs and stirring up the base and hoping that will get them votes. And to a certain crowd of people, those fucking trump fucks, they will always get their vote. But let's be honest, the amount of trump fucks out there is diminishing. We're at like 25, maybe 30%, but that base isn't enough to win any fucking election. The Republicans in the House seem to be siding with MAGA, even though the vast majority disagree with them and want to step away from them, but they have no fucking courage. They have no balls. But again, it goes back to when these indictments fall, when Donald Trump ends up being a wounded duck, and he will be. Then all these people will all of a sudden get brave and start talking shit about Donald Trump and the trump because that's all they'll have left to do. And again, that's not going to help them in 2024, because as much as they may have walked away from Donald Trump and the Trumpism bullshit, that's all they're going to talk about in the campaigns. The Democrats are going to expose them for the ridiculous, corrupt, and criminal shit they did, the 
siding uh, with Donald Trump being Donald Trump's sycophant. Um, and it's going to cost them elections, just like it did in 2022. Two years from now in 2024 with the presidential race, the Republicans will still be fucked. They won't have the time to redeem themselves or rehabilitate themselves. They haven't even started to do that. They're still hanging by a thread with the MAGA party and Donald Trump. I would be willing to bet as much as we are anxious to see the indictments against Donald Trump and all those people around him. I'm willing to bet there's a lot of Republicans in that same mindset. Let's get rid of this motherfucker so we can get back on track. But they are so cowardly that they will not stand up to Donald Trump or the base, even though they know it's correct. Fox News will keep spewing the lies, even though they know better. The Republicans that see themselves as normies, that's a misnomer because they aren't normies as long as they're supporting and standing with MAGA. far as I'm concerned, they're just as bad as MAGA, even though they don't agree with them. If you support MAGA, if you support uh, racist, misogynist, anti-Semites, you're as good as the same. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to listen. And of course... We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.